This morning we're going to be in John chapter 8, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. Um, They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law, Moses, commands us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus went down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Lord God, we thank you for all the blessings you've placed before us. Lord God, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy that we don't deserve. Lord, we thank you that only you can set us free. Lord God, we know that each one of us here are sinners and we were brought into life in a, in a world full of sin, Lord. But you, Jesus, are the one that cleanses us from that sin. Only you, Lord. So I ask, Lord, that today that your word may be heard, Lord. May your word fall on firm and fertile soil, Lord God. May you open our ears and turn on our minds to be alert. May your word fall on our hearts so that we leave this place different. May we leave here changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I get into today's lesson, there's a little announcement that uh, my wife and I would like to make. Um, For for those of you that don't know, we've been candidating for a senior pastor position in Ridgecrest, California. Um, Not that we are looking to leave, but the Lord has placed a call um, on our lives. And this church down there needed a pastor, and they... Got a few guys together, went down there, and we interviewed, we taught, and the board met. They came together, and they had a unanimous decision, and they chose us. And as much as we don't want to leave, we do have to follow the call of the Lord. So we will um, be packing up and moving. It's a bittersweet moment. We definitely um, don't want to leave, but we do um, hear the Lord's call. And uh, so we're going to go down there. This will always be home to us. Um, This will always be our home church. This is where I found Jesus. Um, Pastor Jackie's the one that raised me up. So this place will always be home. Um, So I just wanted to put that out there before there was any rumors or any um, talking or anything like that. So yes, we will be going. We're not leaving Buell. We are going to Ridgecrest, if you kind of understand that. We don't want to leave, but that's... That's the call that's put on our life. So let's get back into scripture. John chapter 8. Thank you. Thank you. So if you look in your Bible here in John chapter 8, you see double brackets 
at the beginning and then at the end in verse 11. Now, I could stand up here and do a lecture on the textual criticism about this section of Scripture, but I don't want to do that. I want to focus on the stuff that's in between the brackets here. I want to focus on the Scripture. I want to focus on the Word of God. If you have questions about these brackets or the asterisks that are in your Bibles or the footnotes, I would be happy to answer those after church. But today, this morning, I want to talk about what's in between it. I want to talk about the Scripture itself. And if we first look at the first section, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus is at the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is not very far from the temple. It's not really even a a mount uh, for us here in Idaho. It's a little hill. And at the bottom of that little hill is the Garden of Gethsemane. And then if you raise up a little bit further, there's the eastern gate to the temple. So it's roughly maybe less than a mile from where Jesus is to get to the temple. And so now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. One thing we know is this, is, this happened during a time of a festival, of celebration. It was during the Feast of Tabernacle. What the Feast of Tabernacle is, is a huge celebration of the harvest that just came in. So it's the biggest celebration of the year. Everybody's happy. The harvest came in. It was a plentiful harvest. And what they do is they celebrate for about eight days. All of the Jewish men, by law, had to come to Jerusalem, had to come to the temple, and they had to celebrate. The population in Jerusalem swells from about 230,000 to between 2 and 3 million during the times of the festivals. So everybody from the country comes in, they're gathered around, there's tents, there's all kinds of things going on. It's just a huge celebration. It's the happiest time of the year for these people. And what do we find Jesus doing? He's in the temple teaching people. Now I'd like to set the picture, set the tone here, right? Jesus is in the temple. He's teaching. He's been doing this for days, right? He's gathering large crowds. People want to hear from Jesus. Jesus is teaching the truth, right? He's doing it in love and he's doing it with boldness. Well, the problem with that is the Pharisees and the scribes are usually one doing the teaching during these times. So here's this guy with no history, no formal training, no real knowledge in the eyes of the Pharisees, drawing large crowds, teaching against what the religious leaders of that day was teaching. Right, so here Jesus is. He's teaching these people. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the mist... They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. So Jesus is teaching, right? In order to teach, the proper posture in that day was to sit down. So he was sitting down with his students, teaching. And all of a sudden, a large distraction comes in, right? These Pharisees and scribes come in with this poor woman that is being held against her will, who was caught in the act of adultery. 
What does that mean to be caught in the act of adultery? Well, if we look in the scriptures, if we look in Deuteronomy 22.20 and Leviticus 20.10, it'll tell us what adultery is and what the punishment is. One thing we find here is they only have one person with them. They only have the woman with them. So it starts out kind of fishy, right? Because on one hand, we know what the law says. It says adultery is an act of a man and a woman out of wedlock being together, right? It's, it takes two to tango for adultery, right? But yet the Pharisees and the scribes only bring one, only the woman, right? So to me, it looks fishy. It looks like a setup. Now Moses, in the law, commands us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? So they're setting a trap for Jesus. Okay, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they're jealous because this man's coming. He's taking all the crowds. He's teaching. And he's making them look foolish. Right? The leaders of this time are being made fools by this man, Jesus. And so what do they do? They say, they then said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stood down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. So just picture for a second, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they bust in, they're making a huge scene. They have this poor woman. She's probably being drug in right? Full of shame, full of sorrow. And they approach Jesus and they say, what do you say to this? We caught her in the act of adultery. Now Jesus does nothing, right? Scripture goes on to say that he just continues to stoop down and to write. Why did he stoop down? What is he writing? These are all things that, uh, we don't know. We don't know what he wrote. But we know that when the commotion started, Jesus paused, right? He didn't get anxious. He didn't get excited. He didn't get fired up like some of us would. He paused. He paused. He took a breath. And he stooped down. He got on the level of the lady. Right? He could care less about the Pharisees and the scribes. He knew their hearts. He's been messing with these guys all week long. He knows they're wicked. He knows that they're trying to set him up. And so what does Jesus do? He pays him no attention. Right? His first act was to immediately love that lady. Even though she was a sinner, he stopped what he was doing and started to love her. For the Pharisees, they didn't, they didn't want that answer. right? So they continued to jab and to continue to ask him, what do we do? What do we do? Now, they're thinking that he's going to answer in one of two ways, right? One, the Jewish correct answer would be yes, to stone her, right? But there's a problem with that. If Jesus gives that answer, is that a loving answer? No. Two, the Romans were in charge of all capital punishment in Jerusalem. The Romans were the ones that put people to death. Jews could not. It's one reason why um, the high priest couldn't put Jesus to death, right? Is because the Romans 
had to do the death penalty. So they wanted to get Jesus caught up, right? They wanted to hear Jesus say, though, well, the correct answer is this. Why? Because they wanted to get rid of him. Jesus was an agitator in their mind, right? The high priest at this time wanted to get rid of Jesus. And the high priest usually got what he wanted, right? The high priest says, jump, and everyone says, how high, right? So the high priest wanted to get rid of Jesus. So all his little minions and all his little buddies are out trying to get Jesus. Bring this woman to him, and they ask him a question. The question is, what do we do with her? Now, Jesus is writing, and there's a lot of different commentaries and different scholars that say different things that he wrote, and we'll get into that in a minute, but he didn't get caught off guard, right? He didn't get out of his, his, his zone, right? He didn't get frustrated like we sometimes do, um, at least I do, right? If I was in here teaching this morning and a group of people came in causing a ruckus, I don't know if the first thing I would do is take a knee, right? I don't think I would um, have that patience, but maybe, you know, maybe. So Jesus takes a knee. Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Well, to be caught in the very act of adultery means you have to see it happening. That would be very hard to just all of a sudden stumble upon two people in the act of adultery. So I think this was all a setup. I think these guys got together and said, okay, we're going to pay this woman this amount and we're going to have this guy meet her and then this time on this morning, we're going to bust in and we're going to get her and we're going to drag her in front of Jesus and we're going to set Jesus up. At no time did they care about that woman at all. But Jesus did, right? Jesus cared about the woman. This they said, testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stood down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. He didn't pay attention to the distraction, right? He was focused. The woman is brought to Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. They did this as Jesus publicly taught in the temple courts. And they wanted to make this as public as possible. Right? It says everybody came. Jesus was the, the headliner, right? He was the largest guy. He was the guy getting the largest crowds. So the Pharisees wanted to make a spectacle of this. They wanted to embarrass Jesus. They wanted to get him out of there. But Jesus wouldn't give him that satisfaction. All the indications are that her accusers had some special vindication against her. Right? They, they wanted to set her up. Now, the verb caught here is in the perfect tense. The perfect indicates a meaning like taking with her shame upon her. So she was caught. She's being caught. She is caught in adultery. She is a sinner. Right? Now, Jesus' first action would have gotten him, his first answer would have gotten him in trouble with the Romans. Right? Well, what if he did not condemn this woman? What if he said, well, adultery's okay? Adultery is not okay, right? It is a sin. But Jesus came not to condemn, but to save us, right? Jesus is here to help heal us, not to judge and bring us down lower. Now just imagine for a second how this woman felt. 
Okay, this woman had been held against her will for who knows how long, a day maybe, maybe just hours. Either way, this woman is held against her will. She's drugged to the temple in front of everybody by the religious leaders of that day. So she had to be full of shame. She had to be full of guilt. She had to be at the point where she couldn't even stand because she was just so embarrassed, so shameful, literally at rock bottom. This woman could not get any lower, could not get any lower. Yet that's where Jesus met her. That's where Jesus found her, and that's where Jesus loved her. Now, for some of us, that's where we have to go to find Jesus. Some of us have to hit rock bottom. And speaking as someone who's been there, I would not recommend it. I would recommend you find Jesus before you get to rock bottom. But if you don't, if you're like me and you, you turn your back from God until you can't turn any further, God will be there with open arms, just like Jesus was for this woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charges to bring against him. And so how does he answer? Well, he doesn't give either of the two answers that the scribes and Pharisees were hoping for. He gives this answer. He says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now think of that for just a second. Everyone's gathered together waiting for Jesus to do his morning teaching. It's one of the last days of the festival. Everyone's there. This poor woman gets dragged in in front of the temple for everyone to see. The religious leaders are, of that day are, are trying to get her stoned. That's, they believe that's the punishment she deserves. And they are willing to put this lady to death just to catch Jesus. Just to make Jesus look bad. But it, it backfires tremendously, right? Jesus tells them, as he's crouched down, as he's laden down, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So just picture yourself. You're there, right? It's loud because the Pharisees are, are making this scene and they're trying to get Jesus involved and they're poking and they're poking and they're poking. Jesus answers them with this section of scripture. He, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. It gets quiet, right? Soon all you can hear is the dropping of stones. Pharisees came with stones in their hand. They were looking to stone this woman. If you don't know what it means to be stoned, it means that your hands are bound and you are put to death by stoning, throwing stones at your head until you die. That's what they wanted to do to this poor woman. Now keep in mind, during this time, and even to this day, adulterous acts and adultery is not punished, right? There is laws against it. But at this time, and even to this day, it wasn't anything that was ever punished. And for the Jews, the last time somebody was caught in an adulterous affair, they strangled them. They went away from the stoning. So for the Pharisees to bring this woman and to put these accusations and to want to commit this violent act was just something unheard of. 
And Jesus could see right through all of that, right? Jesus could see through their anger, their hard hearts, their bitterness. And he saw that woman. He felt her pain and he met her where she was at. He met her at her lowest. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when he, and when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the oldest one. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So Jesus gives his answer. Pharisees are taken back, right? They expected Jesus to say, stoner or don't stoner, right? They didn't expect Jesus to flip it back on them. So here these guys are, religious leaders of the day. Jesus speaks just a few words, and it convicts their conscience immediately. They begin to drop the stones, and they begin to leave one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest. Now on this day, at this time, the reason the oldest left first is because if this stoning happened and it came back to, to be false, the oldest person there would be held responsible. And so the oldest usually also means wisest as well, right? So these older men knew, yes, we're sinners. We've sinned. We sacrifice daily for our sins. So we are no better than this woman here. We are with sin, so we cannot throw the first stone. So just imagine there's probably, I don't know, lots of people there, right? Thousands beginning to leave one by one. And just picture that woman. She's there, right? She's, I'm sure she's thinking, okay, I'm going to die, right? The religious leaders of that day came and got her. That would be like, I don't know, maybe government officials coming in and swooping somebody up, right? And saying, okay, you're being put to death. There is no hope, right? There is no joy. There is no future at that point. There's only certain death. Unless Jesus comes into your life and intervenes, right? And that's what happened here with this woman. Jesus came and intervened. As the people are leaving one by one, Jesus is still sitting there, drawn in the dirt, writing in the dirt, and the lady as well. And soon, it's just them, one-on-one. Jesus sitting there with the woman. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So when we're at our lowest, when we are at rock bottom, when we've done everything we can in our power to feel the emptiness that's inside us, where do we go? Some of us turn to money. Some of us turn to power. Some of us turn to sex. Some of us turn to drugs, alcohol, maybe all of them, right? We try all these outside worldly things to fill that emptiness inside us. But there's only one thing that can fill that emptiness. There's only one thing that can rid the shame and the sorrow that we all have, and that's Jesus. And he met her at that place. Jesus loves us so much. Right? He died for our sins. The only man who was qualified to judge sin was Jesus. And yes, he could have judged her there. He could have said, yes, put her to death. But again, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to save. He wanted to save that woman. Jesus loved that woman. 
And at her least, at her worst possible moment in her life, he was there. He was there to pick her up, dust her off, begin to mend her broken heart. He was there to pick her up and get her back on her feet. As somebody who knows what this position of rock bottom feels like, Jesus is always there, right? Jesus is always there with his arms open. And it's up to us. Are we going to turn to Jesus and give him that hug? Or are we going to turn away from Jesus? A lot of us, when we find ourselves in sin, we don't want to find Jesus, right? We're happy with our sin. We want to live in our sin. We don't want to get rid of that sin. But when your sin takes you to the point where you can't stand up and you can't do anything else, Jesus is still there for you. Jesus' love for you will get you through these times. And it's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen. Jesus picked me up. Jesus dusted me off. Jesus began to mend my broken heart. Jesus begins to transform you, right? I was at the lowest of lows about 10 years ago, right, where I did the best I knew how. The best I could, and it got me on my deathbed, on the floor, on the living room floor, begging Jesus to help me and to use me for his will and not my own. My best effort got me to my rock bottom. I needed Jesus to transform me and to get me out of the dirt, to mend my broken heart. Nothing else could have fixed it. Only Jesus can fix it. And now today, I'm up here sharing his word, right? A month from now, I'm going to be a senior pastor somewhere. That's nothing that I did. That's all Jesus, right? That's Jesus that finds us in our lowest point and brings us up. I'd like to say I don't want everybody to get to their lowest. Find Jesus before you get to that lowest. I taught the youth in the children's ministry to take the easy way, not the hard way, right? The easy way is to accept Jesus today and live your life for him. The hard way is to struggle with life and try to do it yourself, right? Give control to Jesus. Let him do the heavy lifting. Let him get you to where he wants you. Allow him to use you for why he made you. Right over the last month, We've been going back and forth on, you know, what we want to do. Well, it's not about what we want. It's about what Jesus wants us to do for him. And, of course, we would, we would sit here. We would stay in Buell. We would be happy. We would be comfortable. But Jesus wants more for us, right? Jesus wanted more for this lady than to just be known as the lady caught in adultery, right? This lady now has a future. This lady has a hope. Because of Jesus. And so do all of you. Right? It doesn't matter where you've been or what you're doing or what you got planned. Jesus can use each and every one of you. And he wants to use each and every one of you. But you got to meet him. Right? you got to have that one-on-one meeting like Jesus had with this woman. Started horrible, right? The beginning of the story was horrible. This poor woman, naked, alone, and afraid, in the middle of the temple with all these people seeing her. Being convicted of a crime, 
of being a sinner. And yet Jesus is there. Jesus is the only thing that can save. Parents can't save you, right? Politicians can't save you. Jesus saves you. And if you don't know him, I, I pray that today you will get to know him. And if you haven't made that choice yet, I pray that today's the day that you do make that choice. Take it from me, Jesus has a plan for you better than you can plan for yourself. Jesus wants to do things for, through you that you don't think that are possible. But he does, right? Woman, where are they? He asks her, right? Jesus says very few words in this section of scripture. It's his actions that gets the attention, right? I don't know if most of you are familiar with the phrase, actions speak louder than words. I'm a guy that likes that, right? I want my actions to speak. And here Jesus, he says a very few things, but the things he does say are very profound. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Everyone's gone. All the judgment is now gone. It's just you and Jesus. Her and Jesus. That's where the magic happens. Right? Put all the distractions away. Put all the things that are going on to the side. And get that one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. That's where the healing starts. That's where the transformation begins. That's where we can become the people Jesus wants us to be. And the woman says, no one Lord. So she's here. She's embarrassed. She's naked. She's alone. She's afraid. And Jesus comes to her, loving her, and says, where are those that condemn you? And he does the exact same thing for us. Right? I know we all struggle with something. I know we all have temptation. I know we all have sin in our life. But Jesus is there for us. Jesus is there to help us. Jesus is there to stop us from those temptations. And you know what? We all are sinners. But Jesus loves us anyway, right? Jesus sees past all that. He sees our heart. He sees why he made this place. He sees why this universe wouldn't be complete without one of you. Right? He said, and she says, no one. And I want you guys not to miss this point, but she calls him Lord. She doesn't call him teacher. She doesn't call him sir. But she says, no one, Lord. She knew that he had the authority to forgive her of her sins. She had probably never met him before that day. She wasn't there for the study, right? She was there for other reasons. But just that one moment, that one snapshot in time, was enough for her to know that Jesus was her Lord and Savior and that he loved her. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Again, Jesus did not condemn us, right? Jesus is not our judge. He's not here to tell us, oh, you're evil, wicked sinners, because we all know that. We're all sinners. We all sin every single day. It doesn't matter how much transformation the Lord does in us. We're still going to sin. But with repentance and with faith in God, he takes that away from us. And now he's not telling her that she will never sin again. What he's talking about is no longer do this sin of adultery. Right? 
And that's how God takes us. And that's how he transforms us, one sin at a time. Right? He just doesn't wipe us clean in one day. He takes us, and by one sin at a time, he continues to transform us. And if we have the heart and the desire to be more like him every single day, he can use that, and he will continue to transform us, just like he transformed this woman. This day started out horrible for this lady, right? Worst day of her life, but at the same time, it was the best day of her life. It was the day that she was born again, right? And sometimes we have to go through horrible circumstances to find Jesus. But you know what? It's all worth it. It's all worth it to get to Jesus, have that one-on-one relationship, and be transformed immediately. Immediately, she stood up. Right? She was rattled and so just down, she couldn't stand. And if you've ever been in that place, if you've ever been so low that you can't stand, you can appreciate the love of Jesus here. Now, as we look forward and look into this, I think the lady became a follower of Jesus after that day. How could you not? I know speaking from experience, I, I was, right? That made me a believer to go from shame, pain, hurt to joy and love, right? When I found myself at rock bottom, I just shouted out to God. I didn't know what else to do, right? My best effort got me rock bottom. So I reached out to the Lord and said, Lord, take me for who I am. Use me for your will, right? And that's what he'll do. He'll use you. For your will. Now, some of the points here that I don't want to miss. One is the love of Jesus. Jesus loves you no matter what you do, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Jesus will love you. It's us, it's ourselves that stops that love. Right? When we turn our back to Jesus because we're shameful of our sin, He still loves us, but we're not receiving it. Right? We use excuses. It's like the boulder at the top of the mountain. Right? Once it gets started, it's hard to get it to stop. Right? And once we start sinning, a little sin becomes more sin, and more sin, and more sin. And pretty soon, that rock is just rolling down that mountain, and it can't be stopped. But Jesus can stop it. Right? Jesus saves us. He loves us. And without him, this world is empty, naked, lone, and afraid. Right? So I just want to um, just leave you with the three points. You know, the love of Jesus, recognize our sin, and only Jesus can forgive that sin. You can do whatever you like. You can do your own sacrifice. You can do um, all these other things, but Jesus is who saves us from our sins. And I know today is a short message, um, but it is short and sweet. Um, so I hope, uh, hope you guys get something from this. Hopefully, also, one thing I don't want to miss is when we look at others, use the lens of love and not the lens of judgment. Because there are so many people in that audience that day so many people who began to pick up stones to get ready to throw at this woman.
right? It's so easy for us as sinners to point out other people's sin. But a lot of the times, our actions are worse than their actions, right? These religious leaders of the day, they put this big scheme together to trap Jesus. And in the meantime, this poor lady, her life hung in the balance, right? The Pharisees didn't care if she died. They wanted that to happen. The wages of sin is death, but through Jesus, we have life. And I'll leave you guys with that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I do thank you so much for this day. I thank you for just the ability to be here today, Lord. I do lift up all those that are uh, going through COVID right now, Lord. I do lift up our pastor and his wife. I lift up uh, Alan Clark and his family, Lord. And, and I know Betty uh, is going through COVID. And, and all those that I don't know, Lord, I do, I do pray that uh, they get through this. I pray that um, they find you with this uh, time that they have, this quarantine time, Lord. I pray that they reach for their word and, and reach out to you in prayer, Lord, because you're the only one that can help them, Lord. You're the only one that forgives us of our sins, Lord. You're the only one willing to meet us at our lowest. So, Lord, I pray that you meet us where we are. I pray that if you don't know Jesus today, that you do get to know him. I pray that you don't have to get to your rock bottom before you wisen up and look for him. And I pray that if you are at your rock bottom and you need help, that you reach out. There's many of us here at the church and, and around the community that would love to pray for you or help you in any way that we can. So I do just uh, thank you for this time. Lift up those that are suffering. In Jesus' name, amen.